0: Hey everyone, welcome back to this lesbian ship is intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are back once again to talk about our favorite show, Warrior Nun. We are going to be covering episodes 5 and 6. Shit is really hitting the fan. We are trying to keep persevering in the wake of the cancellation of Warrior Nun. How are you feeling?
1: Well, I giggled right now when you said that You know, like we're getting into like the more intense parts because you are correct. We are. We're in the second half of the season. And I'm laughing because I was watching the episodes today and taking notes when a service tech came to my place. And so like I had a pause every now and then. I'm like, you are interrupting some pivotal moments, sir. Like I'm on the (laughs) brink of tears. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was just like, great. Glad to hear my boilers working. Can you leave now if you're not going to watch with me?
0: okay I was like why are you laughing this stuff is happening but that makes complete sense yeah. um, we are we are like a dramatic 10 and then there's this guy just clucking along you know like
1: yes <laughs> it was the moment where Camilla was like um you and Ava and then Beatrice is like it's a misunderstanding and then I hear him trudging up the stairs and I'm like no <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's objectively hilarious. (laughs) Like, I... And fully, like, this season is too fucking short. Like, when we're taking these notes. Because I was like, we just started diving in. And now I'm like, we're at defeating Adriel. (laughs) Like, can we have a little more build up to this, please?
1: Oh, my God. Yes. Like, we were already lamenting that it was an eight episode season. And when we were figuring out how we were going to record this, we decided not to do an ep by ep drop because we know how long that can take. And so we decided to do two at a time. And so, in watching today's episodes, I was like, oh my God, like we only have two more episodes. And that's, I'm not ready to face that, Katie.
0: Listen, I can barely face what we have now. Like, (laughs) it is just, it's kind of, it's one of those things where, like, the cancellation of the show has left me feeling a bit defeated. where I was telling V, I was like I don't know like I I think we can't take ownership of this because it's a curse against all lesbians not just the two of us lesbians yeah but the main the three I come back I retired from podcasting okay I retired Mm -hmm. I come back and two of the three shows that we've covered this year got canceled and one still hasn't been renewed Mm -hmm. and I'm just like What the fuck?
1: (laughs) I know this is not a warm welcome back for
0: you. (laughs) Like I I want to find joy. Like this is supposed to be an escape for me. I want to just have fun with it and have fun talking about the things that I enjoy. I don't want to have to fucking fight for it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean?
1: God, I know. I'm so annoyed. Like we don't even get the luxury of just enjoying television. Oh, man. Well, speaking of, so you said that, you know, you're like, did you say defeated? Is that how you described it? So I have been taking a lot of solace in community, um, for which I'm very grateful. So I'm continuously talking about Warrior Nun out in my real life. I went to an ugly sweater party this weekend. And um, someone said, she was like, oh, have you all started to watch this show? And I was like you know, ready for it. Like, I was so excited. And then she starts saying the, I don't even remember what it was called, but it started with a W. And I was like, this is it. She's going to say warrior, and I'm going to be able to talk about something. The white lotus? No, something else. Wonder, winter, wild, wonderland, winterland. I don't fucking... what the fuck i haven't heard I of it <laughs> i don't know i can't remember what
0: the fuck it was because it wasn't warrior nuns i didn't give a fuck um so you were like if if warrior nun is not coming out of your mouth i have zero interest in yeah. this right now <laughs>
1: and then like so i so the friends party that i went to. They have like a lot of friends that like I don't know, so like I'm coming in here and I'm like I don't fucking know anybody here, and I'm like how <laughs> much of me can I be, and so then I tried to hold back and then I was like nah fuck it, so then I just ended up saying like I thought you were gonna say warrior nun and she was like warrior nun no. and I was like yes funny title but and then like I, I I went into my spiel about it a little bit, um I don't know if she's gonna watch or not, but I but I preached it because that, that's who I am now. <laughs> you spread the warrior
0: nun gospel and that's all you can do i wonder if
1: doc looks at me and is like wow
0: i created a monster (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're a true disciple it has been i mean i'm i'm out of (laughs) self-preservation of not Mm -hmm. doing some of these things but i have found it to be really cool like i think it's really fucking cool that you got to talk to the actor that plays Adriel. Oh yeah, that was like an impromptu. I was telling
1: Katie that um, I was exhausted and I slept like shit because um, a couple of people, Ari and Kay, were interviewing um, – William Miller, who plays Adriel on Spaces, and I had joined as, you know, like a fan. And they so kindly made me a speaker and like allowed me to talk and ask questions, even though I had nothing to do with the organization or preparation for it. (laughs) I haven't re-listened to make sure that I didn't make a fool of myself, but I think it went okay. And that was just a really great, um, it was a great experience. And it also is really interesting that that happened just before we're recording today because it's Adriel heavy in these next two apps. Yes. And so I think he gave me a lot to like consider about Adriel in a way that I don't know that I necessarily would have bothered. Cause I'm just like, Oh, you're the villain. I hate you. But now I'm just like, Oh fuck. You got me thinking
0: about his damn perspective. Interesting. We will let that bleed into our coverage of these two episodes, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear about it as we continue on. Um, We really appreciate all of you Warrior Nun fans that are listening to these episodes. I feel like, you know, the least we can do is keep talking about this show and um, give the episodes the highlight and the intention and the care that they fucking deserve with how much hard work went into them. Mm -hmm. um and so i feel good about that and i am going to give it my all (laughs) talking about these (laughs) couple episodes and not let the weight of what's going on with the show at large linger over it
1: no just live in a little bubble katie nothing's happened
0: (laughs) nothing's happened yeah, Everything is okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. This is the fire dog. You know, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine.
0: <laughs> so um, let's get into the episodes. Let's start with episode 205 called Mark chapter 10, verse 45, which is for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. It's directed by Dennis Rivera and written by Sheila Wilson. So just a disclaimer, our organization thus far has been to do an Ava outline and then go through everything else that happened. However, Ava and Beatrice like really mix in with the whole show, which is a compliment to the show at this point, but it is not helpful for our programming. <laughs> good for
1: you and everyone but
0: us (laughs) so our uh timeline might kind of be all over the place Mm -hmm. especially episode five which is really heavy on the supporting players which is awesome because i love them but it it, like i said it didn't lead well to my organizational (laughs) skills
1: I know and I was such a shit where I was just like I'm just going to take notes however
0: and I will follow Katie's lead. <laughs> so it's all my fault if you get confused. Um, <laughs> so we start with the Ava and Beatrice of it all in this episode with the crew outside of Jillian Salvius's house asking for help. They realize that this is the last place that Lilith reported into as well. But Jillian is like, why am I helping you? Mm-hmm. And then Michael reveals himself to let Jillian know her son is here. Did you expect this? I think that
1: I started to suspect it um on the night with fog. Oh, you know what? I, I didn't suspect it. My wife just was like, Oh, this has to be Michael. And I was like, Oh my god, you're right. So was why I Why did
0: you say that?
1: I think it was just because the names she was just like miguel michael this guy
0: you know like she just put it together and i was like wow you
1: are smarter than me
0: <laughs> yeah like this is one of those things that in retrospect is like very obvious mm-hmm. <laughs> but i think i just was like happy that we didn't have divinium maybe michael anymore so like i just like wasn't even thinking about it you know what i mean like i yeah. i just kept it separate in my brain and so when he was like i think at this point i knew because they showed up to the house when he said going home and all that like that i yeah. put that together that's when i was like oh okay that's what they're doing but i did not buy on early into this whole situation that no, it was, really was- cool.
1: I was too busy being jealous, and I was like, can you stop fucking looking at Ava this way? Ooh, which, side note, real quick. Um, Did you see, I don't know how much you're paying attention to Twitter, Um, but I posted something about how, like, I was really bothered by the way that Ava and Michael looked at each other in season one, and someone was like, sis, like, that was a look that Ava gave to Beatrice in the background, and I was like, what? So then I went and- I Ava heard, well, and
0: I'll Michael sh-. in season one?
1: Shit, sorry, episode one of 201 of okay season two. okay yeah sorry and so i was like what so i went and i rewatched it and they were right did you know that beatrice walks behind there there's that moment where ava like gives what i thought was michael this look of like romantic interest this is why i was so mad at michael a lot i was just like why the fuck are they looking at each other this way what the fuck ava and so then i rewatched you need to go look at my 2 i'm gonna send it to you in a dm um, i do
0: need to see this because now i'm curious I yeah like I I never have really thought that Ava had a romantic interest in Michael but I have thought that Michael had romantic interest in her so I was on guard I guess around him <laughs> and that's partly
1: I, I just sent it to you Um, it's a gif and so like yeah I just needed to bring up that I never noticed that and You know, I spent all this time just being angry at Michael because I was just like, what are these looks they're exchanging? But now that I know it's all him and, you know, Ava's just obsessed with Beatrice,
0: as she should be. All is better for me. So once they get in, we find out that um, Lilith has left. Jillian says she was degrading physically and mentally. Camilla is mad that Jillian didn't do anything about it.
1: I'm curious as to whether or not Camilla is being more assertive slash aggressive because of the Adriel thing, like the, the thing in her neck that she's going to find out later on. Or if it's a product of like, you know, the fact that she's dealing with all of these stressors and trauma um, or, you know, she's just growing into being more assertive because like, you know, like she's always been a little like fun and sassy, but I like she was very like. You should have kept Lilith here. You know, what were you doing? And Jillian's like, what the fuck could I have done?
0: She definitely blames Jillian about losing Lilith. And I guess that's because she's the only person she can blame in that moment. And this is, I guess, something that's hard for me about Lilith's storyline and this season is she's so disconnected from the sisters period like she has almost no scenes with them yeah and so camilla being angry i think is the connection to keep lilith tied to them emotionally but we don't get to see lilith herself struggle with it you know what i mean so i guess that's that's kind of just the way i've been made to make sense of it but then, essentially, to kind of jump to the Beatrice and Ava parts of this all, once we do find that Camilla does find out that she has a divinium cross in her neck, B is like, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to ask Silvius for help. Like, we're going to get to the bottom of this together. And she says, what happened isn't your fault at the museum with Ava. Like, Beatrice is not trying to blame Camilla for what's happened, um, and she says that if there's anything I could do to help you, let me know. And Camilla says, "Same." <laughs> Beatrice says, "Whatever could you mean?" Yeah. <laughs> and Camilla just looks at her go and goes, "I think you know Beatrice." And then <laughs> Beatrice continues to deny. Mm -hmm. what's going on and Camilla just says very plainly you and Ava
1: okay I love the way Christina plays this because she is very much you know sister Beatrice offering support to Camilla and then Camilla's like yeah you know like let me know if you need me too and sister Beatrice is like basically like huh and then She says, I think you know. And when she says that, she responds with like, I'm not sure that I do. And her back straightens up. Like you see the tension. Um, But the minute that Camilla says you and Ava, I think that Beatrice is like, shit, fuck, I can't, like, you know? And she's just like, uh, it's a misunderstanding. It's purely- <laughs> My duty, my duty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. She's just like, it's just, you know, nothing more than that. It's all it is. And I'm just like, oh, baby B, it's not. Oh my God, would that be what? Ava calls her, have you seen- Katie, you are not on Twitter for these things. Oh my God. Oh, just really quickly for you. Christina has a tendency to say really stupid shit. <laughs> In interviews. And so one of those things was in a BuzzFeed interview was like, um, what would Beatrice call Ava as a pet name? And she said darling. And then she's like, and then, then I think they must have asked her, What do you think that Ava would call Beatrice? And she's like, Oh, something stupid. You're like, something um different, not the usual, probably silly, like boo-boo. And everyone has been roasting her in the most affectionate way for boo-boo. <laughs> and everyone's been I don't trying know. To think of, I like, no, I
0: think she's kind of on point with that. i i think the
1: logic is sound i just don't know about boo boo specifically
0: (laughs) boo boo maybe boo uh boo boo is a little bit harder but i use the term boo a lot in my Mm -hmm. interpersonal life (laughs) so it feels more normal to me than i think it does for most people yeah I I could see I could see
1: boo maybe but like the boo boo is definitely like
0: boo boo's hard boo boo's hard I think it would be something different though I think she, her, her thought process is correct mm-hmm. like it would not be a typical pet name that she I calls think. Beatrice maybe she would call it like bumblebee or something like that
1: yeah I could see her doing a pun because like that's how she is so yes. Um, yeah. So I freaked out when I said baby B. I was like, oh
0: my god, is that what you're gonna call her? So sorry. I get it. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Maybe, maybe. So, but I think she's right also about what how Beatrice would be. Like she would say something like darling. Yeah. And then I like the contrast of like this like c- classic romantic term of endearment and yeah. then just like really goofy shit, you know? <laughs> yes. Darling, can um, you pass the sugar? Okay, boo boo. No, I can't do the boo
1: boo. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it jokingly.
0: <laughs> okay, boo <boo-boo>. boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, let's get back to the serious. <laughs> you know what? Oh, what I really like is Beatrice has like she was being so open and um reassuring to camilla but the second the conversation turned like the walls like mm-hmm. are up you know it's like um the alarm button like when an alarm goes off and the walls just like clam to the ground yes like that's essentially what's going on with beatrice right now and then in contrast i absolutely adore how camilla is in this scene Mm -hmm. She is like the epitome of openness and like non-judgment that you could possibly be in this moment. And it just makes me have so much love and respect for her. I just have to believe that Camilla like held Beatrice's
1: hands as she tells her like there's no shame in it. And then like proceeds like
0: I have to believe she was holding her hands to comfort her. It's a really interesting exploration of feelings of the nuns breaking through like a lot of stereotypical boxes that they would be placed in and even some that they place themselves in i think here and so i think that this added layer adds so much to camilla's character because she is one of the ones that so clearly is connected to her vows but also is so open in her understanding of the warrior nun and her relationships with others. And I'm really quite fascinated about this character's development in the show because she says to Beatrice, There's no shame in it. It's easy to fall in love with a warrior nun. It's loving the warrior nun that's the hard part. They're never yours, they never last. And it's just such a romantic, like, perspective of the relationship in a way. It's a very big moment in the. Emotional like heartstrings of the show. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, Th- this is what And I yeah. really appreciate it.
1: It's this definitely makes me super fucking emotional. So um then the way that you know Christina plays Beatrice, where she's just kind of like processing the truth of that, you know, the warrior none doesn't last. I mean, look at Shannon. And um, that sadness, which leads us into the next scene really well. But before we get into it, I do want to tell you this because I don't know that you know this either. Um, So Toya, who played Mary in season one, uh, was in a Twitter space with people and also was like chatting away. And so I went in on the tail end of it. So I missed this. But I heard enough people say this about the space. So I take it to be true, which is that she confirmed what we all suspected that these lines were meant to be hers. So I just want to share that with you. That's all.
0: You know, it doesn't make me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. it It is a beautiful perspective to think about. I could think all day about what that means for Mary in greater context of the show. But I also find there's a lot of beauty in Camilla saying it too. And I really think, especially with how she's kind of connected to adriel mentally against her will in this episode that she's kind of in contrast advocating for like loving and supporting the warrior nun. it's like a manipulated belief and a pure belief like lined up against each other um and so so romantic katie It's beautiful. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that element of Camilla in this episode. Actually, this episode made me a Camilla stan. I can't lie. And so Beatrice, upon having her world shattered by someone telling her what she's felt to be true out loud, she is trying to compose herself with the truth. And she takes a deep breath and she wanders outside and she sees kind of what exactly she needed to see in that moment, which is Ava practicing levitating and putting the crown on the statue's head. And she just like smiles up at her with such fondness. It's such a sweet moment between the two of them. And it's also such progress from earlier on in the season where like Ava is like doing her own thing, showing her own initiative She's not just like being trained by Beatrice anymore. There's a lot of other things going on too.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about um earlier in the season even where she said I'm more of a punch first, ask questions, punch again kind of girl. And like here she is practicing skills for a plan to execute later with this uh, Crown of Thorns. But oh, it makes me so emotional because Beatrice has just walked away from this conversation with Camilla to our understanding this is the first time that Beatrice has been confronted and essentially, like, acknowledges through silence that there is something that she feels for Ava. And then she's left with this, like, oh, God, you know, feeling of the fear that already exists for Ava's life. And then she comes out seeing Ava just being so Ava and, like, adorable and that, like, little precious smile that she shares. And it's just kind of quiet when she goes up to Ava and says, how's it going? And Ava says, just practicing, And it's just such a cute interaction before she fucking falls.
0: (laughs) So the halo gives out. Ava falls to the ground. And Ava says that it's getting worse. And she doesn't know why it's happening. Beatrice is obviously very concerned that the halo keeps giving out. And Ava wondered if maybe she was training too hard. But it really doesn't seem like that's the case. Because it now just gives out even when she's not working that hard. It's interesting that they're not more interested in why the Halo keeps giving out at this point. It's something that they're really avoiding and not wanting to recognize. um, Because she says, I just need to get this thing on his head and it's over. And Beatrice is like very reassuring about it. Like wants to make sure that Ava knows she believes in her. She doesn't want Ava thinking she doubts her. So she's like, I trust you. You know I do. But she's clearly concerned about the Halo's power as well
1: yeah definitely i think that you know probably beatrice i think that she's concerned about it but they don't have an answer and they don't know how to get an answer and she's so consumed with worrying about ava and wanting to make sure that you know everything will be okay i just like i don't know i think i can relate to like not addressing significant issues because i'm too consumed with like concerns about other things um i I mean fair (laughs) (laughs) and i appreciate when beatrice is just like We'll beat him, you know? Oh, I feel like she said something earlier to Camilla as well. I think it was something like, um, even if things aren't okay, like, they will be. Um, And I was like, does she believe this? Or is she saying it to, you know, soothe Camilla or try and reassure herself? Like, Beatrice is going through her own fucking crisis of faith, (laughs) you know, like, with Camilla talking about, like, it's hard to pray and shit. And I'm like, I know Beatrice is going through it. Because, like, how do you keep believing with with all this shit that's happening?
0: Oh, for sure. And essentially, we... With Beatrice and Ava, from here, we jump to them coming to rescue, essentially. Mother Superior and and Yasmin and Doretti And the creepy priests are outside the door and Ava comes in as a distraction and has most of the creepy priests chase her and Miguel or Michael and Beatrice take over the remaining guys they rescue Mother Superior and Yasmin Doretti won't go with them he wants to wait and expose Adriel And we have a moment where Beatrice kind of like looks off towards Ava's direction of where she went, but she's like sticking through the mission. So she's worried about her, but she's just playing her part.
1: Oh, my God. Can I just say that I was so fucking irritated with Michael because so Beatrice and Michael go up and they attack those guys. And Beatrice has, you know, beat the shit out of her dude, but he hasn't fallen completely down. and Michael kicks him in the face. And I was like, you don't need to have the last fucking hit of her man. Like Beatrice is fully capable on her own. Fuck off. Like I was so annoyed by his existence still yeah i thought ava was cute when she kind of gave like a little smirk as she gave chase to the guys and then beatrice i thought was of course skillful as always and the attentive worried love and um you know then we see ava fucking running out of the building i wish she would have phased down instead of out (laughs) like just go to the lower level
0: I didn't really think about that until he said that, but I was like, you know, true.
1: I guess it's just easier to, you know, to just keep running in phase like as she's running out instead of like I don't know. What? No, well, you know, what? I, she could have fucking sank.
0: Yeah. Well well who knows. <laughs> <laughs> but Fine. she phases out the of the wall and immediately almost loses power and falls to the ground in a very dramatic fashion um it's very off-putting i guess as the audience right at this moment like because it seems so innocuous like oh she just like phased out of a wall she's floating like but things are okay like she's Mm -hmm. escaped and then bam out of nowhere without even fighting the the villain she's just like in complete danger right because obviously it's not great when you fall that many stories (laughs) to the ground beatrice is in shock clearly immediately and screams you know oh god no and breaks down crying and clutches ava to her chest and says i know the world is hard and unforgiving and i know that warrior nuns die but please don't leave me i don't want you to die have you seen my tweet about Netflix with this,
1: with this still? <laughs> is that, I don't know what the fuck I wrote. I know that Netflix is cruel and unforgiving and that sapphic shows get canceled, but please don't leave me. I don't want to say goodbye. And I'm... <laughs> put ava as warrior nun and then i put um beatrice as the fans i very much made
0: myself giggle with that so anyways um, i hundred percent thought that's what you were gonna say because yeah it's like yeah i fucking get it that this is your mo right now but i want it to be different this time (laughs) oh lord yeah
1: like okay so i didn't notice the first time i watched this but beatrice screams out I think very, like, you know, normally, like, instinctively, like, you see someone fall. Like, that's fucking terrifying. And then it's a person that you love. Um, But when she goes over to Ava, she checks her pulse. Did you see that? And I'm guessing she couldn't find a pulse. And that's why she pulled Ava into her arms and is basically like, don't fucking die on me. And this is, like, just one of my favorite moments because she's being so, like, this is, this has got to be the most she's fucking said. About, like, how much she cares about Ava. Like, so... These have to be, like, the most selfish statements.
0: It's like your worst fear coming to life before your eyes strips you of all of your walls, you know? Because she's completely bare here. Like, she bears her soul to Ava in front of everyone around them. Because she's so terrified of the possibility of losing Ava. And at that point, she thinks she has lost her, you know? So... It's very, it's such a contrast, I guess, to her scene earlier with Camilla where she's just like so avoidant of it. And then she's in the very same episode. She's forced to confront that head on and what that might mean. When we did our like season one
1: um, what do you want us to talk about, Warrior Nun? A lot of people were really interested in the exploration of Beatrice as going from selfless to a little bit selfish. And I don't think selfish in a mean way, but in a way where she actually starts to consider what she wants um, and desires. Uh, because I do think that these statements are probably some of the most selfish that Beatrice has uttered, which is, don't leave me. I don't want you to die. This isn't about the mission. This isn't about humanity. This isn't about her being the Warrior Nun. It's, this is our relationship, and I don't want that to end.
0: And it's the whole phrasing of it, right? She's like, yeah, I get the fucking big picture here. But at the end of the day, I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to leave me. I don't want you to die. Like, it's about that relationship, right? And I think that's what gets interesting when you start to form connections for, like, very, like, work-oriented, career-driven people. People and shows like when they start to have emotional connections and they start to question like what's the what right matters. thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, like is the right thing to do objective or what's the is the right thing to do what matters most for you, you know, mm-hmm. and there's not a clear answer to that, which is very hard <laughs> for characters like that to wrestle with, right yeah, so I think it's very interesting to see Beatrice completely lose her cool like that in front of everyone and not care because Ava matters more and that's kind of we've not seen like Beatrice like this at all previously in the show you know so it's a big moment for her and then the halo comes to power and saves the day in the moment and Ava says weakly in her arms you know I'd like to avoid that myself (laughs) as she would so Ava (laughs) I know and she stares at Beatrice they're both just staring so lovingly into each other's eyes I don't even know how to describe it as more than that but she says to Beatrice they can't beat us be not together and Beatrice is gripping her face and then Ava like nuzzles into her neck as they embrace and it's just a very charged emotionally romantically like big moment between the two of them
1: oh my god yes it's the best thing ever because you know ava does her ava thing she makes a joke and then like pulls back and they look at each other and beatrice like hugs her tightly to the degree that ava has to say like oh easy easy and she like is like oh my god sorry and she like you know backs up a little and Ava is just staring at Beatrice in the most fucking loving way possible. And the way that they mutually reach out for each other. So Beatrice goes for Ava's face and is just kind of stroking her cheek. And um, Ava reaches out and touches Beatrice's shoulder before they like lean in for that um, hug where could have been a fucking kiss. Like they were just like –
0: they were just – they. they- the tension was palpable like it really felt like there needed to be a kiss in this moment in a good way like i like them building up the tension but you're just like kiss kiss kiss. (laughs) like and i really love when shows build up tension like that Mm -hmm. um so like i love that there wasn't a kiss but like that there should have been a kiss (laughs) you know what i mean
1: (laughs) I would agree. I was just like, oh my God, how did you all not kiss? And I was like, well, you did have an audience. And like, she did kind of like almost die. So I, I mean, get it.
0: It's fun, to, it's fun to think about like, what would a kiss in this emotionally charged moment look like? And it, it goes back to what we were saying before about like the different types of kisses like, oh yeah, what messages that they send, you know, mm-hmm. for the show. And so. I think the tension here served the message and not the kiss itself. Yeah. Which, you know, was important. But, man, I I do like to think about <laughs> what that could be. <laughs> I um,
1: bet there's got to be
0: a thick for it. Oh. Like, this is when it comes back to our weekly release pipeline. Like, if, if there was a week between the next episode after this moment, yes. this would be all that people would talk about for a whole week.
1: Exactly. Oh, I just was tweeting about this. I was like, someone needs to explain to me. I think what I've gathered is that Netflix just hasn't changed. But like other streamers, whatever. I don't need to get into it. But anyways, <laughs> yes, I will, I will die on this hill about the binge model needing to go away.
0: Um. So that's basically the only Ava stuff that happens in this episode. Very big quality moments for both. Beatrice, a lot of emotionally charged stuff for Beatrice this episode. Um, and, and a big moment between the two of them realizing how important they are to the other, I think. But the meat and potatoes of this episode is really the other players in, mm-hmm. in the cast. Um, so the episode itself starts out with Adriel narrating his meeting with ariella to lilith and he says that you know he saw the lies and deceit of this world and she was brave and true so that's why he gave her the halo and he envisioned this world where they could create a new religion together and and then he says that his love for her clouded his judgment
1: him saying that he loved her. I was like, how dude? She's like some chick that you just fucking threw a halo into like it. Makes I
0: know. <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> it just shows like how he's just saying whatever the fuck he wants to try to get Lilith on his side. You know, and it's smart in a way because of Lilith's connection to the Halo Bear lineage, you know? Mm-hmm. To kind of put her on a pedestal as equal to the first Halo Bear. I think that's kind of what he's doing. And his, like, psychological games here. But so after, he's, like...
1: Well, I was going to say, so after speaking to William a little bit, and, like, I don't know how much this is based in his own kind of character development or, like, you know, direction, Um, but I, it's made me think a little bit more about how much truth there is to what Adriel says. Granted, all of our truths are colored by our perspective. Um, And what also made me think about that was when he was telling Lilith because he starts out the narration when he tells Lilith the story of Ariella it's in the daytime the way when Yasmin told the story of Adriel happened so I was like oh is he being honest I just wasn't sure if it was like a a visual cue that that he's maybe more honest um than I than I realized and you know the truth lies somewhere in between you know like
0: everyone has their perspective I do think that's true I do think the truth lies somewhere in between because I don't believe Rhea is the answer to all of this either. Like, uh, like she's the epitome of good where he's bad. Like there's something off with the whole Rhea situation as well, I feel. Yes. So <laughs> I I do get that. I just I do think he's warping what's happened to gain Lilith's trust here. He says, you know he's from a different realm and he measures time differently and that he's the angel Adriel and she wants to know like who she is and he's he says I couldn't begin to explain to you what you are but I can show you and Adriel touches Lilith's face and puts his thumbs on her eyes and they burn as she falls to the ground and and as she opens her eyes she sees demons around and this whole new reality i just
1: i just have to laugh because he says to her trust me and it's just like you didn't fucking tell her what you're going to fucking do dude um so i have a lot of feelings about adriel where i'm just like okay, if you're not the big bad, like, couldn't this all have been solved with a little bit of communication with the humans? Um, Anyways, so he does that, and Lilith does start to see the world, and she says, is this how Ava sees? And he says, no, just you. And he's really playing on the whole feelings that she has around not getting the halo when Ava does. And he says to her that you are purifying, you're not changing. Um, and talks about wanting to create a world where power is shared by all not by just some like gods and i don't know if i believe that because like isn't he trying to yeah
0: yeah he's like you know we're creating this new existence and purifying the world and true power will be shared and blah 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 but here's the thing i have about this adriel lilith connection so lilith has struggled through the seasons up into this point with like what her destiny is like what's expected of her and all those things and but yet Adriel literally transforms her body without her say (laughs) Mm -hmm. so to like turn her into this other being and I'm just like why is she so quick to give in to Adriel here like I needed a little bit more struggle in this transformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, I understand that he's manipulating her um, feelings about the halo and her expectations and everything else against her to get her to this point. But I'm also like, come on, Lilith, you're smarter than this. Like, I agree. You're you're going against everything you've ever taught just because you feel differently? Like, and I, that's not necessarily fair. Like, she's had traumatic things happen with the tarasque and when she went to the other side for Jillian very quickly, but we're not even fully sure of the scope of that, you know? So it's just like, why? Why? Like, when... When he's like, I need you by my side, and Lilith touches his face, and the wings erupt from her back. Which, let me just say, though, the wing effect, like, the whole visual effect of Lilith, I Mm -hmm. do love. And I think it's very cool. The CGI is very good. Like, visually, it's all fucking cool. But, like, as a character, I don't know how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally, I totally fucking agree. Because I was also, like... You left Jillian pissed off because she couldn't give you answers. And, of course, like, I get, like, part of that is it felt like she was willing to use her for Michael. And then she goes to Adriel, who, like, said to her in the last episode that he, like, doesn't know what the fuck she is because she's a whole new thing. And then in this episode, like, burns her eyes and hurts her without giving her any explanation. And now she's got these wings sprouting, and then she like envelops him and i'm just like how are we getting here like i know he's manipulating you and i know you have a lot of feelings but is this
0: too much for me he's just drinking the kool-aid like that you know i I struggle with it i struggle with her drinking the the adriel (laughs) kool-aid and speaking of drinking the kool-aid her massive beautiful wings envelop her in adriel and they supposedly share a kiss which thankfully the wings block from my viewpoint. I'm very
1: grateful that they block that.
0: <laughs> I hate this. I hate the Lilith and Adriel thing. I need oh, I need to know more about
1: this and why Lilith would follow him cuz like when we get to the end, I just mm, Lilith, Lilith, Lilith has been the most complex character for me. In, like, how I feel about her. Because in season one, I didn't like her at the beginning. And then I grew to like her. Um, and then in season two, I liked her. And then grew to be like, what the fuck, Lilith? So I'm just like, I don't know where I
0: stand on Lilith. Because there's not a transformation from from her to... There's not enough struggle. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say the all the episodes leading up to this, she struggles. And then she just gives in to Adriel. But, like... It doesn't work for me. I, I need to know more about this journey. And I needed, or at least even if she does join him, I needed to see more struggle between her former life in the OCS and her journey with Adriel than we have got to see at the very least, I think. But um, as Adriel is recounting the story to Lilith, The nuns are together. And Yasmin is recounting the story as well. Um, And she talks about how Ariella began to mistrust Adriel. And God sent her an answer armed with a weapon. And as we see Ariella being presented with the weapon. It's Rhea handing her the weapon. As Yasmin says God presented her with a weapon. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like there's some serious implications here. Number one, is Raya actually God as we know it and worship it? Or number two, has God and Rhea been conflated over time and in the history books? And we don't have an accurate accounting of what happened. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, My note had been, how do they know that she is truth? So I'm guessing that ariella who asked god for a sign and rhea appeared assumed her to be god but like adriel came so and then you ended up doubting him i just like i'm like what are people's like at this point like don't you just say nothing fucking makes sense and i don't believe in god anymore so i'm really just thrown by ariella believing this to be god i wanted to point out that the name rhea apparently is in greek means flowing or at least that's the at least that's what the internet tells me. Um, and I also wanted to say that the name Maria is close to the word reina in Spanish, which is queen. Um, so, you know, like with the words meaning things. Also in the interview with um, William, he talked a little bit about these beings. And essentially I gathered from him – have you ever seen Stargate SG-1? No. Don't know anything about it?
0: I kind of do. My dad used to watch that. Okay.
1: So essentially – I don't know, from the conversation with uh, William, I feel as if though all of these people are actually just like aliens that are like more technologically advanced than we are. And so...
0: Yeah, that's what I... It feels very like they're aliens Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Especially with how Michael talks about the other side. Well, I guess just the remaining part of this that is important is Yasmin reiterates that disarming Adriel costs ariella her life no one has ever defeated adriel and lived and of course ava is like you know well time to change history you know and and all of that but it, it definitely adds stake to what is being asked of our team and ava i
1: just also enjoyed the looks that ava and beatrice shared um throughout this little storytelling
0: i love all the looks <laughs> Like, this is why I just love talking to, like, creatives behind making television because, like, yes, I love actor looks because the actors are great and they love to give us treats. Mm -hmm. But I love, like, what has been designed within a scene, like, layers among character motivation, even though it's not, like, the plot, you know, going on. And I really love how that adds to the richness of storytelling. Um So I did enjoy that as well. And Michael's plot in this episode is kind of him wrestling with like what his life is. And he's talking in his reunion with Jillian about what it was like for him on the other side. And how it was 14 or 15 years for him when it's only been a few months for Jillian. And on the other side, it was empty and vast. And as he wandered the desert, he was found by wandering angels, Mm -hmm. brought him to Rhea, who is a divine being and Adriel's master. She healed Michael and raised him within her kingdom and trained him to come back to Earth to stop Adriel. So essentially, Michael's whole life has been a vehicle of Adriel's at some point, whether it was to build the Ark or post building the Ark to defeat him for Rhea.
1: hmm Yeah, his life is not a life. I mean, it's he's just a pawn in other people's game. I was just really curious because Lilith had gone over and had said she was under a scorching sun. So it seems similar that they went to the same place, you know, like a desert. Yep. Yeah, except Michael was welcomed um, by these, what he assumes to be angels, and was raised by Rhea. I did wonder when Jillian shows Michael the footage um, that was taken from Lilith, he seemed to have a very strong reaction, like almost like he was in a trance when he saw Rhea. And it made me think about like, was he brainwashed? Like, what is this response he's having? And he was like, almost, he doesn't almost pass out, but he seems weak. And he's like, I was wrong to doubt,
0: you know? Yeah, Rhea's way is the only way. and. It's very Adriel-like, right? You know, like, when I had time to think upon my myself, by myself here, I thought maybe there could be something different. But the second Rhea flashes before my eyes, I'm all like, Rhea's the only way. Like, there, there's mm-hmm. something shady going on here. Yeah, definitely. And also, there's something really sinister about a divine being taking a child and using him as the vessel to destroy an all-powerful being
1: you know Mm-hmm. Oh, i need to know so much more because i'm just like well, why don't you just fucking come and get adriel's ass <laughs> like i don't oh but also are you a big or bad and i'm very stressed I think she's a bigger bad. I really do. I think do. so too. I, at first I was excited because I was like, ooh, God's a woman. But now I'm just like, fuck, God's a woman and she's a villain.
0: But that doesn't mean that there's not a counterpart to Rhea as well. You know, like there's a lot of room still for this world to keep expanding. And from there we go to Camilla's plot where she struggles with this like weird connection to Adriel. And she confides in Beatrice that she's been having nightmares ever since the convent attack, ever since a nun touched her neck. As Beatrice is giving her an ultrasound, she kind of says what's been on, I think, many of the fans' minds at this point, like, about Adriel and what this means for the religious aspects of the show. She's like, well, if Adriel is real, then all the books are wrong and sometimes it's even hard to pray and she says that it even affects mother superior and i just really loved this bit when beatrice is attempting to play it cool and supportive even though she's like not having the easiest time either and is like you're lying to girl. I can see right through you as well. Like we're all trying to hide the fact that our very faith is being shaken to its core right now.
1: Oh my god, there in the final two episodes there are some scenes that like I really love because <sighs> exactly that. I think it's really interesting. Everyone's like different response to their faith being shaken because Christian had a big I couldn't find my proof in religion, so I'm going to find proof in science. And Vincent's own journey and ultimately like Beatrice's where she ends up leaving the church. Granted, I don't know where she stands. I'm just, I'm very curious. It's fascinating to me, their responses to this massive shift in their I- ideological beliefs.
0: Yeah. And that continues kind of when – um we find out how the beliefs of the people are being c- continued to be used by Adriel, right? As Salvius um finds out that there's a Divinium cross in Camilla's neck, and she puts on those glasses that she had in the last episode. She sees when Camilla's praying, there's the same energy coming out of her neck. It seems like focusing deeply on a specific thing like prayer. Creates a unique electrical impulse that is being converted into energy that Adriel is redirecting to himself. And my favorite moment is when Camilla gasps and says, "Do you think he's stealing prayers from God?" Yeah, yes, honey. <laughs> She's so yes, <laughs> yes. That's you've caught on. He's he's quite evil in that way. <laughs> the manipulation of faith is the big theme here, Camilla. And then the other plot going on in this episode is Mother Superior and Doretti, who are trying to rally the few priests that are left. They have their little Pope club where they're talking (laughs) about how they're going to defeat Adriel. And as they're going up, Mother Superior and Yasmin have a really important conversation. Yasmin shows a little bit of doubt and... Mother Superior is giving her advice and says, "You know, take note of everything that is said and not said, anything that we can use to help us. Never apologize for your gifts; just use them wisely."
1: I love that line so much because Yasmine's being so apologetic about like how she's geeking out and how she's talking so much, and you know, I I just thought that that was a very kind way to try and contain or redirect someone without invalidating them. I don't know. It just it made my heart warm.
0: A hundred percent. It's exactly how you're supposed to work with people. Like you're supposed to work with people who are different than you and think different with you than you to truly get a more rounded perspective, right? And see things just a little bit differently. But yet I think sometimes difference in group settings is shut down. You know, and in that setting, it's very easy for Yasmin to start to fall away because she's not a trained warrior or or whatever. But I love that Mother Superior reassures her and really validates Yasmin's role as a part of the sisterhood.
1: Oh, man, what a long way I've come in. How I feel about Mother Superior, considering oh, she's I know, like, you know, like you're a, what does she call Ava in season one? Um I don't think it was an abomination, but she called her something um, to be like, she killed herself. She's a piece of shit.
0: You know, <laughs> Like, I think maybe something about Mother Superior that's going on here in these couple of episodes, as we really learn a lot more about her character, is that what she has left to believe in is the sisterhood. And so we've seen her protecting the sisterhood in ways that are very harsh against Ava and also very welcoming like Yasmin. You know what I mean? Um and so it just manifests itself in different ways. Um and at the Pope Club, Dreddy is preaching about false prophets. Dreddy's like, "Look. I'm not saying just because he's not an angel, he couldn't be from the other side, but he's definitely a demon. He's not a good thing on this earth
1: yeah not not a good um, thing
0: from the other side they a lot of these priests want to believe and Dreddy's like how can you believe he's divine when we know he's using technology to use these, to create these plagues he's a danger to our world um, and as these men are having trouble condemning Adriel Yasmin jumps up and says you cowards fear this bitch okay you fear losing the support of your congr- congregants but you can't afford to wait to confront adriel she says adriel is a devil meant to cloud the minds of fearful men and she reveals like her you know lineage and why she's there but essentially the pulp club is all about the fucking patriarchy and they don't like women standing up to them Yep.
1: That guy was such a douchebag. He's just like, who are you? Listen to your superiors. You're ready. Handle your flock.
0: <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. And Mother Superior is like, well, actually, this isn't about religion or us. This is about man. Like, this is about the human race. This is about saving the people of the world against one powerful figure. And then it's basically all downhill from here as the priests basically revolt against Ready. They pull out knives. They're screaming, all hail Adriel, praise Adriel. You're trying to kill everybody. Mother Superior kicks some serious motherfucking ass. Like, very cool sequence here as well.
1: Oh, I was so impressed with her. I was just like, fuck, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, the choreography, like, and how it flows, like, where you think you know everybody that's, again, for Adriel and against them, and even we still have some slow heel turns that are surprises, Mm -hmm. and Mother Superior is just, like, methodically moving through these people, she slays the priests in the form of a cross Mm -hmm. as they leave the room, like, this is what we're talking about when we talk about the show creating magic with a budget because this is all extremely visually stimulating mm-hmm. but it's all just choreography you know and that's very cool
1: there, there are some moves that Mother Superior pulled out that I was just like damn bitch like it was
0: very fun to watch it was beautiful it was a great sequence and um this starts Yasmin's first run-in with the creepy priest.
1: She gets a nice kick in the face.
0: Yeah. As they're wondering what happens now and Doretti ponders, you know, who will stand with us now that it seems like basically everyone's on Adriel's side. Ava, Miguel, and Beatrice show up to save the day. So I just thought that was an important moment. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's definitely... a. A transfer of the power between Doretti over to Ava, it feels. You know, like he's kind of lost his war against Adriel. The last one standing is Ava to to defeat him. She's our she's our last hope. So that was episode five. Now let's jump into episode 206 called Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint.
1: Oh, this is a verse that like more readily I'm like, interesting. Because I'm just thinking about Lilith with wings. I'm thinking about um, Ava, you know, losing power and, and not being able to walk again. I'm curious.
0: Hmm. yeah and i think it's something to there's something in this to me that speaks to the struggle right like um those that wait you know even though they suffer are on the right side and those that just like readily believe adriel's bullshit <laughs> like mm-hmm. um but it's, it's it's definitely some interesting parallels, I feel like, in the stories uh, in this one, for sure, with the verse. It was directed by Dennis Rivera and written by David Hayter. We start off the episode with Mother Superior as the warrior nun. And she's talking with Shannon. And we learn that Mother Superior's name is Suzanne. And they are trying to go on this rescue mission for their sisters. Shannon is hesitant to go in after them. They, she doesn't seem like they're adequately prepared to get all of their sisters out alive. But Mother Superior says, "You know, I'm fine. I I got this." She knocks Shannon out with the halo and goes in alone. I think there's some cool power things that go on
1: here. I know. Like, the fact that she was able... I mean, her eyes, like, burn slash glow. And then she, like, knocks Shannon out. Then she fucking creates her own personal
0: shield. The shield? The halo shield? Like, that was very fucking cool her knocking shannon out i was like wow like clearly that does seem not like something you should not do um against the sister uh, warrior so that was interesting though for sure just visually and what that means for the ha- powers of the halo i think mm-hmm. but mother Superior takes charge she destroys this room of men with ease and she gets to her sisters and there's just one more guy but that one guy seems to be evenly matched and we switch from this like badass music to this really like melancholy kind of soundtrack here and she drained the halo and she couldn't keep up with this this guy and mother superior the her mother superior gets shot Shannon comes and and they're able to, you know, knock this guy out and get a handle on the scene. But it doesn't change the fact that Mother Superior is dead. And as our Mother Superior cries out, the Halo rejects her and falls out of her back. And it is very upsetting, uh, this whole sequence of the Halo rejecting her, Mm -hmm. as it should be, and you would think it would be. But it's very alarming to me. And both like the grotesqueness of it burning through her back, yeah, and also emotionally how distraught she is. There's a lot going on there for me.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I I still wonder if the Halo has rejected anyone other than Suzanne. I'd be really curious about that. Um, But also, I really enjoyed seeing this story of what she was like as the Halo bearer because it makes me think that. Maybe she's been hard on Ava because I wouldn't say that Ava's arrogant, but she's impulsive. It doesn't think things through. And Suzanne was arrogant, and while those are different, they have similar outcomes.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like I was thinking about this the whole time because I was like, okay, but the Halo rejects her, but a lot of her thought processes are very similar to Ava's. I was trying to determine on why we would think the Halo would reject her. But maybe choose Ava and why Ava is the chosen one to bear the halo at this point. So I I am interested. She brings up like it could be many of the reasons. It could be all three of the reasons. Her, you know, knocking out Shannon with the halo, her going in alone and getting Mother Superior killed. Like there, there's so many reasons, but at the end it doesn't matter because she's not the halo bearer anymore. But what the message that she carries on to Ava through this is, as we see her kind of retelling the story to her, is that we cannot carry our burdens alone. I think that's always a running theme with these hero characters in shows like this. But it's also a message that I feel like we as humans need to hear a lot more than we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So often I think that people feel like they need to shoulder their burdens alone. Um, We don't like to admit that we struggle. We don't like to ask people to help us. We think that we can do everything on our own. It's very applicable I think to people at large and very much appropriate for the hero, the warrior nun who is taught that they are – Taught because I suppose it's true that they are above, you know, above the others in skill set and ability. And so when you treat them as the person who has this power to create significant change, like, I, I think that arrogance is kind of a natural response. or And like, then there's like an increased sense of duty. And so like, yeah, you want to go and do shit on your own, not to hurt
0: others. And you do have to believe in yourself an exceptional amount to be able to take on these things. Like you do have to have that level of confidence. So it is an interesting dynamic. But regardless, I'm really, really happy that they showed us this, and both what it means for Mother Superior and Ava and the relationship together. And I think it helps you understand why once. Mother Superior gave her a chance why they got so close because Mother Superior truly understands Ava Mm -hmm. Um, and Ava appreciates I think having someone that does understand her approach whether she agrees with it or not you know and so from here we go to Ava giving a brief in front of our ragtag team of, of heroes trying to save the day She says for the first time they know where and when Adriel will be somewhere, and they don't know what his plans are, what he's going to do, but they know he'll make a display of his power and they'll be ready to face him. We find out that it's a mix of Adriel's abilities and technology that are amplifying his reach and what he's doing with the plagues, and that they've channeled prayer energy to power Adriel, which also. Activates the arc, so they believe somehow the arc is a part of Adriel's plan, but we just don't know why.
1: Yeah, they do theorize that maybe he wants to. I think it was Ava who's just like maybe he wants to bring something. I also just really enjoy in this meeting that Beatrice is at, is at
0: Ava's right hand side we're reminded that this is a long-term plan that we didn't see the full fruition of in the last season right adriel sent the blueprints for michael for this arc to be built so clearly there's something going on with his bigger plan and we we reckon with the idea that it's not to bridge from our world to their world it could be to bring someone from their world into our world to take control. So there's a lot of questions basically being brought up about the arc here. And then we go to Ava in her room where she's kind of laying out her warrior nun outfit, contemplating what's about to happen, and Michael knocks on the door. And he shares with Ava that these past few months and his time with her he learned to appreciate the joys of this world in ways that he wasn't before. And Ava kind of looks at him when he's sharing this about himself. And she's like, uh, so what are you saying? Because it sounds like you're about to say you're in love with me and I don't reciprocate. Like, that's really the vibe that...
1: Yeah, I mean, he's giving off that vibe where he's just like, I didn't enjoy life until I met you. And then, like, he fucking takes your hands at some point, you know? Like... I think Ava's fully ready for some kind of fucking love confession that she's not going to reciprocate.
0: And then he turns and says, "I was sent here on a mission, and that I must accept my fate. And maybe meeting Ava made him change his beliefs for a bit. That you know they could defeat Adriel and keep on fighting and keep on living, but that seeing Ray again has made him face reality and." He believes that she was right all along and that Reyes sent him back with a Devinium bomb inside of him that will destroy Adriel and prevent him to, from healing. And Ava is the one that has to detonate the bomb.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in this conversation that Michael says something that we hear repeated later on, which is that Adriel believes that he cannot be killed in this realm. And he believes that because the Divinium is not of the realm and, you know, like Rhea's plan, like this is what's going to um, successfully kill him. Ava does not appreciate being told what her fate and destiny is and pulls her hands away from him. And she's like, no, I don't like this plan. We're going to figure something else out. And Beatrice is lurking.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Beatrice kind of comes up at the right time to overhear. I think she's aware that there's a bomb inside of Michael. Or at the very least something going on there. So she kind of knows what's happening there. Also, I'm very curious about this. Because Michael from planet Earth is filled with divinium. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is it that divinium that was used to create the bomb? And like Jillian's plan like kind of self-destructs through Michael? Like I'm kind of curious about his transition from Divinian Baby Michael to Divinium Ba Michael, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I just figured, I'm so curious about like, what started everything. So like, it feels as if though things will happen specifically with like Ava and company, and then they're like, oh shit, this was a trap. And you know, because like, Adriel was one step ahead of them. And so with like, Michael, I'm like, was Rhea one step ahead of Adriel and Adriel thought, you know, like because I'm just trying to think about how did right, Julian right. even decide to make a Divinian baby. <laughs>
0: um, so you know, through this conversation, when when Michael's talking about fate and Rhea and everything, Ava is like, is Rhea God? Like, mm-hmm. what is exactly Ava? Speak for the people. Like, we're trying to understand that. Oh, she's and- a real one. And Michael says, God is just a name. She just is. So there's an interesting dynamics going to play on, like, what is faith? Who is it that we believe in? What has been interpreted? And I just, like, really am curious to see how the show would continue to explore this once Rhea is introduced. Mm-hmm. Because Rhea is very much viewed as God in season two you know even though we we recognize her as something different still so I'm like well what's the bomb gonna be like is Rea the god that we know of of this earth or what like I just but Michael says you can't run away from fate and Ava says I've beaten fate once
1: yeah she walks off and and Beatrice and she exchange like a look before Beatrice goes after her
0: did they exchange a look? hmm Does Ava knew, knew Beatrice was there?
1: No, I think that Beatrice came up and she heard them talking and so she paused and then Ava in her like frustration and upset with Michael storms off and when she goes, you see her kind of like take like a step and a pause and she looks at Beatrice like, oh shit, didn't realize you were there. And then she keeps walking upset and Beatrice goes after her. Oh. Yeah. I wondered if we were going to get a scene of seeing them interact after that, but we don't. So curious see i thought all
0: along that ava still didn't see her there and know. they look at each other do they Mm -hmm. i must have been like writing and not looking at the screen when that happens
1: (laughs) yeah it's a it's a very brief like she walks out and it's like kind of like oh didn't see you there and then keeps going
0: huh okay that's interesting that nothing else comes of that
1: yeah which is why i thought that there was going to be a scene with them afterwards yeah but there wasn't wonder something like that who knows
0: maybe maybe it it wasn't super needed but i i would have liked it if there was (laughs) one um so we go back to kind of the war room situation where they're they're going through their their plans and mother superior is really setting the stage for what's at stake that you know if they do take down this man that claims to be an angel an angel They will be hated by some and that their actions will challenge the very fabric of belief itself. So Ava kind of walks in and walks us through the plan as we transition into what's going to be the showdown with Adriel. And she's assigning the roles and plan is that Doretti will expose Adriel as a fraud. Ava will place the crown on Adriel's head. They'll shove him into a box, send him to the other side through the arc. And destroy the ark. And it sounds like a great plan.
1: <laughs> oh man. You know, I
0: I didn't think it was the worst. I
1: thought that it was a pretty decent plan for trying to avoid killing Ava and Michael. Um, because I mean it that's how it had been done before was to incapacitate him with the um the thorns, granted they kept him on earth versus throwing him through the portal. That's the one part I don't like is like if you throw him in the portal to wherever. Will he not just come back? And I know that they said. Um, without the halo or the ark, He can never return. And I was like. I don't know that that's true. Because he came to earth. With the halo. Oh without the halo. I mean if he had the halo then. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just worried about him not being killed. Which ends up being. You know. They end up killing him. But. That's. But that was my hesitation I, I 100%. With this plan.
0: It's like. If we think about it too hard, we could start to worry about this plan. But like on the surface, it seems like a great plan. It's just like as I'm watching, knowing what happens, I'm like, man, if only (laughs) this could have been what worked. (laughs) I know, (laughs) like this is far too easy. That is gonna never work. But it's a great idea. Like I thought it was a pretty decent plan, honestly. And as they're kind of getting ready to leave. Michael really comes up and wants to to bring up his, his suicide bomber plan. But Ava is just like, no, dude, it's a bad plan. I don't really think it's got great optics. And as Michael persists and grabs Ava's arm, Beatrice storms up and kind of pushes him away and tells him to back off.
1: Yeah, she had been following... At a decent pace behind, but her eyes were on them. And so the minute he puts his hand on Ava, she's just like, uh-uh, Michael. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say it like that. She's, like, very stern about it. Uh, and then he lets go of her hand, and Ava says, I'm good. And then they walk off together, I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: it's, I called it the badass walkout. It's where then it goes The d- from- dramatic
0: strutting, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love a dramatic strut with some music. I love them. Warrior Nun has a couple of great ones. It's such a team moment where it gets the audience like behind these team of heroes that you believe in. And I just loved all the different like character quirks of it. It's great. And as we get to Arctech, we have Ava and Beatrice knocking out the two guards with their gag order. And I just kind of loved that little bit of them working together there. And before Beatrice and Ava part, Beatrice looks at her and says, you know, how's the halo? And Ava says, strong so far. And Beatrice then like gives her this look like, you can do this. You're going to be great. I'll see you on the other side.
1: I think she even calls her. I think she says, well, then, and see you on the other side. And I yeah. was like, Beatrice, are you like? almost flirting is this like almost flirting
0: <laughs> maybe just yeah this. this is like this is as close as Beatrice can get to flirting I guess it's not riddled with weight and heaviness which I guess should have been our cue that things were gonna go to plan yeah <laughs> but it's just like you're the warrior nun you're gonna knock this shit out of the park it's gonna be great things are gonna go well I believe in you all as well you know it's
1: Yeah, the lightness in episode six should have said to us all that this is going to go to shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So kind of right away, I think we start to realize it's going to go to shit. Because Ava phases up through the roof and she even struggles to fully phase through the roof. And when she's on the roof, she's losing power significantly. And she's like fighting with herself and and trying to get up and do it anyway. And telling herself, you know, she can't let them down. But Lilith shows up just to make matters a little bit more complicated when Ava's struggling to to use the halo. Lilith says she feels no power coming from Ava and wonders if the halo is rejecting her. And at the same time, Ava's having to deal with feelings of Lilith rejecting them and the betrayal of Lilith going to Adriel's side. Because up until this point... The OCS doesn't even realize that Lilith has joined up with Adriel.
1: Yeah. Shit, you said something. And I had a response for it and I like didn't say it.
0: We feel no talk- power. The Halo's rejecting Ava. Oh, the
1: rejecting Ava. There we go. Um, I was thinking you wish Lilith <laughs> because, like, even though you feel like, ooh, I'm so powerful, and I pity you, and whatever, whatever, like you know that it all stems from an insecurity and it, and. A frustration around the dynamic with um, Ava and I kind of wondered why Ava didn't bring up Mary because like I'm just thinking about like how would I try and get Lilith back you know and I'm just thinking about how when she was acting the most Tarrasque like in season one how Mary was the one who like got her to like come back to herself and so in this moment where Lilith is like keeping Ava from the mission and i was just like why don't we call on the name of mary and try and get lilith to calm the fuck down and remember her
0: sisters yeah like i think part of it is this the is lilith not being connected to the sisters like they don't even realize that she's kind of betrayed them and is with adriel now and so it's like what plea can possibly work to get her back to them Mm-hmm. ava struggles and i think we could say it's fair because she's like no she has to put this thing on the roof for jillian to be able to hack that she can't do she's also powerless because the halo isn't working you know so there's a lot going on but as lilith is kind of taunting her and says that she's free now and she has all of this unchained power ava's fighting her back eventually blasts her with the halo off the roof and places the hacker thing uh on the roof so all of the things are going to be confusing timeline wise but essentially (laughs) adriel is making his display of power down below and eventually electrocutes duretti and lights him on fire through the cross and basically everything descends into chaos at that point. And Camilla says, you know, I can't assassinate you, but I can distract you. So there's this whole battle going on down below. And Ava puts on her mask, which I really liked her like chainmail mask situation she has going on. And she's like levitating down trying to put the crown on Adriel's head. She's almost there, and you can almost not believe it because Lilith fucking shows up out of nowhere and throws her off.
1: I was so mad. I was like, damn it, Lilith. But Ava makes it funny. We just, is this the first time? Yeah, this is the first time she sees the wings, and she's like, you have wings now? Like, ugh, Bless Ava for the humor in these frustrating-ass
0: yeah. moments. For real but it's like a fucking course you have wings to, to derail this plan that we've been working on. She was so close
1: Katie. She was so uh, close.
0: I, it was so frustrating watching this back because I was just like Lilith if you didn't do this things would be perfectly fine right now. So after Ava is knocked down the crown is knocked down And Michael takes the opportunity to go up to Adriel and stabs him in the neck. And is beating him up to try to keep him subdued. As he's gaining control over Adriel, he tries to get Ava to come up to detonate the bomb and and take advantage of their opportunity. But Beatrice just comes and fucking tackles Ava out of the way to prevent her from making the connection with Michael. Then, as the scene is seems out of control, the other sister warriors, particularly badass sister Dora, shows mm-hmm. up, kicks him ass. Beatrice and Michael are stumbling away. And as Ava tries to go and approach Adriel again, Lilith shows up and takes her away.
1: So for this. I thought how powerful, like, that Beatrice, like, pummels Ava. It's just like, no, I will not let you do what I think she overheard. Uh, Even though it quite possibly would work, she's just like, not going to happen on my watch. Um, I did think it was interesting that Adriel bleeds. Uh, And when you see it healing, it heals in a similar way that Lilith
0: heals. Yeah, I noticed mean. that. That he heals similarly to Lilith. Mm-hmm. I wonder what this means about if you can kill Lilith in this realm anymore. Like, I'm Ooh. very curious about that. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, he, he heals like she does. And I'm very curious about this whole Lilith situation. Like, is Lilith defending him to the point of taking on Ava here? Like, I need more Lilith motivation. Other than that, she's drinking the Kool-Aid here.
1: Oh, yeah. I just, I know that they aren't giving us that because, well, no, they could have done it. I was just thinking, like, they couldn't do that because then it would give us too much insight into Adriel and his plans and, like, how we were supposed to feel about him. Um, But maybe they could have still given us, like, Lilith introspective and understanding without kind of giving away what's really going on
0: well i guess the problem is that she's basically only connected to adriel at this point and so there's only so much they're willing to let us see from adriel's side you know and so that really restricts what you can show with lilith so I don't know. I'm just very frustrated. Even though I love Lilith, I'm very frustrated by her in this episode and what she's done.
1: (laughs) I'm frustrated with anyone who stands in the way of Ava or Beatrice. So back to being frustrated by Lilith for me.
0: Then we'll jump into kind of the other plot points of this episode. Camilla, she is praying. And we learn that she's doing that deliberately to channel energy and starts Calling Adriel's name. And Adriel appears and tries to appeal to her and says, Come home to me, warrior. The more you fight, the more you suffer. And Camilla looks at him and says, I would suffer a thousand years in hell before I would ever submit to you. And she tells him, You know, if you're in my head, that means I'm in yours too. And we both might not know what that means, but we'll find out. Did you
1: get scared at all in this scene? Because when she goes to pray and she starts saying his name, I was like, <gasps> "I was like, no, did he get you? Like, I was so scared.
0: Yeah, the whole haunting of Adriel and Camilla is kind of scary. Like, when it happens in the museum and here, there's a little bit of... There's like some weird horror element kind of mm-hmm. going on that makes me oh, feel yeah. uh, definitely that feeling of something bad is going to happen. Um, but Camilla is such a badass here. It's like she doesn't run from the fear of it. She confronts it head on and yeah, it's basically like, it. yeah, she thinks about how to use it to her advantage, which is just... Number one, incredibly brave. Number two, incredibly resilient. And number three, incredibly smart. (laughs) So. (laughs) I doubt that you've seen this interview,
1: but Olivia, who plays Camilla, did an interview and apparently shares that Camilla was supposed to die in season two. What? Yeah, I haven't watched the interview, so I don't know the details. But I'm very certain that that is a truth and I'm not saying (laughs) not real things.
0: Well, I wonder when in the process they decided that she was supposed to die and then not die, you know, like mm-hmm. what the trajectory was. But I feel like that would have been a very hard death to stomach in I season know. two. I I was like, I, I'm
1: very glad that that is not what happened because she's my little ray of sunshine besides Ava.
0: Yeah, she's very, she's so brave and resilient that I think it'd be very difficult if she died. Um, especially with how she's challenging Adriel here. I thought one important der- interaction between Doretti and the creepy priest. They're just basically talking about how Adriel's a false prophet. Yada yada. The creepy priest believes in him still. All of that. Doretti is really steadfast in his opinions. And says, you know, everything Adriel promised you is a lie. What awaits you is death. And the priest says, death awaits us all. And I think that is a very important thing to think about and why Adriel appeals so much to the masses in the show. The idea that you could believe heaven is real and like your savior is here when what so many people fear is death, you know, I think is very appealing. Why would that be appealing? You still face death. But you believe there's something after. It's like this confirmation that there's something more than just now.
1: Mm, Yes, I suppose that's true. I don't know that it would give me comfort as someone who very much has a lot of these fears. um,
0: I don't think it gives me comfort either, but I think it gives a lot of people that struggle comfort, Mm -hmm. like this belief that there's more, right? And that's why a lot of people turn to religion. So we also get a conversation between Adriel and Vincent where it seems that Vincent is having his doubts and wants to seek guidance from Adriel and Adriel is like imagine a world in which God exists and Vincent says I do and Adriel is like not like that and Adriel talks about you know all of the things that he is and Vincent says but you are not God and adriel says but i fit the bill mm-hmm. um and so this is quite the awakening for vincent i feel
1: yeah i would agree he mentions also do you remember what you said to me that first night and i've been so fucking curious ever since it happened on our screen because whatever he said i feel like even from that point it planted the seed of doubt for vincent so whatever the hell mm-hmm. adriel said I think, was not reassuring to Vincent. And then in this moment, Adriel doesn't even remember. It was such a non-thing to him. Um, And yeah, I I think that a lot of their interactions indicate that Vincent is very much on the, like, what the fuck did I do? Did I make the right choice? Kind of mind space.
0: It's very interesting here how Adriel's whole premise is, like, speaking truth doesn't necessarily get you anywhere they'll kill you for it, which is true when you go against the masses, when you go against figures of power, whether that's the church or a government. And so instead of compassion, Adriel's using fear. And then we have a moment between Vincent and Doretti as well. And let me just say that Doretti has maybe the harshest line of the entire show when you can tell Vincent's struggling and Doretti is basically like, you suck. You betrayed all of us to go to Adriel. And you want to know how I know that Adriel is not real? Because he chose to speak to you. And God would never choose you as a vehicle for his coming to Earth. And it's like, God goddamn, Doretti. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So, Duretti goes to speak before the masses, and as he's building up Adriel and introducing him, he reveals Adriel as a devil. The hack, even though Ava eventually gets it in place, doesn't work. They can't reveal the plagues. Somehow, Adriel in company knew what they were planning so they just let them believe that they were in but the plan all along was to destroy Doretti in front of everyone how did they know I think it has to be the connection with Camilla I do that's the only thing I could think of like they would be he would be able to know
1: so like I think that when she called on Adriel She effectively gave him access to information. She was trying to intimidate him, but I feel like she gave him information. That's my theory because I can't think of anything else. I mean, I guess like alternatively, like they could just think about all the possibilities. But like it's a very specific, you know, he I think he was prepared for like the plague shit. But clearly he was not prepared for Ava
0: coming up from above. I feel like it might be Camilla. I think we could think that they knew, he just kind of knew that they would try to expose him. Mm-hmm. Um, and to turn it against them with ready. would be like an obvious way to do that. But it's just like, wow, like how how are they so prepared? You know, where she's so angry, foiled at every nothing- turn. Nothing goes right. They don't get any upper hand on Adriel at all. Essentially, they end up in a worse place than they started because the Pope is crucified. And they lose know? the crown. <laughs> the, the, the and thorns. they lose the crown. And and over at Salvius's house, they come in and get the Ark. You know, like Mother Superior is left there by herself to defend the Ark against these creepy priests. And she destroys everybody basically Mm -hmm. because she's a motherfucking badass but something is going on with this creepy priest where uh he is not killed easily (laughs) i know i was like what the fuck she shot him in the face why is he alive yeah so i'm like how can he just be rolling around with a bullet in his eye like is it because he's possessed that's my only guess So, yeah, even though she's a badass and really fighting off all these people, it's like a losing battle because they can't die, I guess. So in the process of her trying to defend the Ark and get all of these guys, the detonator for the Ark is shattered. So then they can only blow up the Ark by hand. But before she can get it off and hit the button, the creepy priest shows up and kills her in front of our eyes as we see her, like, Slowly die before us, which is devastating. No, no, no. She doesn't die yet. She gets shot. She dies. It-
1: oh, do they do it so that we think she's dead? Okay.
0: I think we think she dies in this oh, okay.
1: episode. Okay. I've- yeah,
0: I was just pissed. <laughs> I was like, "This motherfucker!" Like, I know, I know that other things happen in later episodes, but I'm choosing to end it like we're supposed to think she's dead at the end of this episode. Okay, and. I'm super fucking pissed at this point. Like, I remember watching it, and I was like, Mother Superior? (laughs) You can't kill her. Like, I was like, what the fuck? I was very defeated. Like, I felt defeated. I was like, okay, what the fuck are we gonna do now? Because they've taken the Ark, Mother Superior is dead, the crown is gone, Ava's gone, yeah ready's killed adriel's more powerful than ever <laughs> like we're yeah, not yeah, in yeah great yeah position. not looking good
1: not looking good <laughs> well specifically to this scene uh when mother superior gets shot i was like oh, like just like what the fuck no and but I, I i kind of also was suspecting it like i was nervous um you know what no maybe that's not true because I think I was more concerned about like, I was like, oh, she's going to sacrifice herself and that makes me sad. And then this bitch comes over and shoots her and I'm like, no, fuck you, you should be dead. But what really disturbs me about this scene is when he fucking goes over to the glass wall and like digs into his eyeball to do a cross and says like the new yeah. the new order or the new world order. Oh, there's something about these like zealots that really creep me out and gross me out.
0: Oh, it's extremely creepy. And it's like, how do you go from like free will and free thought to just like blind faith in something that is clearly turned sinister and you don't even recognize it, you know? And like, I know they're all possessed or something, but it just feels like there's something really gross about all this going on and it's very creepy to watch and dark very dark Mm
1: -hmm. i'm just still trying to understand like girl's whole like we'll share power it'll be a world of truth it won't be the fucked up shit that mama Raya had and i'm like but you're not sharing any truth you're letting people get possessed by demons which we've previously seen do instigate you know bad behavior
0: I just, I'm so
1: fucking lost, man, about Adriel. I think
0: it's something about personal power. Like, the quest for personal power, you'll say anything and do anything. And you will preach it as being different than the one that came before you. Just for you to gain access. And I really think that's what it's about with Adriel. Because I'm like, what's really hard is there's no, like, it's hard for me still to see why people follow him Mm -hmm. um and so i guess that's why i have a hard time going along with it because i'm like what the fuck dude i could see why people would believe in him if he's like curing these plagues you know like Mm -hmm. i could see what gets the initial buy-in and then he possesses them with demons to hold them forever yeah so like i guess that's where all that comes to play but it's still it's still hard a hard pill to swallow as an audience because he just seems clearly evil from our perspective
1: yes he does i mean it's really not until the final scene with him that i'm just like oh maybe he's not as awful as i thought he was i mean still don't have any insight into it (laughs) but
0: yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one to crack because He's he's very clearly evil in our world in his quest for power, right? But we don't understand him in context of the world he came from,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so I think that's what makes it really hard for us to truly understand his motivations. So yeah, remains to be seen how we feel about them as we talk about the next two episodes. <laughs> but right now, we're just like, what the fuck, Adriel? <laughs> so we. We covered two episodes of War and None for you today. Very action packed, very focused on setting us up for a final confrontation and what that means.
1: Yeah, that that's a really good cause they put us in a really shitty place. So we know that we're gonna have like the big final thing happen, but there's still more to come to get us to that spot even
0: we're basically kind of lining up our stakes here um we're starting to understand the weight of everything we're starting to understand um what's going to be asked of Ava to to defeat him and we're also getting some big emotional beats for Ava and Beatrice kind of helping uh, to get those stakes along so i would say like Action-wise, heart-wise, plot-wise, all the stakes are being laid for the for the next two episodes.
1: Yeah, we got some really intense emotional moments with Beatrice and Ava. And I I like this because they kind of did it in season one, too, where like, you could see these little sprinklings of interactions. And you're like, huh, I wonder if there's something there. And then it gets a lot clearer towards the end of the season. And I think similarly here, we see that very intensely in the beginning with season with episode one. Um, And then it's like, How aware are they of the other's feelings and how in tune are they with their own feelings? And then you get some of these moments and you're like, oh, they fucking, they are in love and they know it and it's an unspoken thing here. And like,
0: whoo, how's this going to play out? I would say we can only guess, but we know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like,
1: womp, womp, how it plays out. You know what? No, it plays out beautifully. The story is
0: very gripping and yeah. the action is very gripping and everything we get in the next two episodes is. So I am really hope that you enjoyed us talking about Episodes 5 and 6 of Warrior None. We will be back again to cover the finale next time. We're skipping over our feelings about that for now. Yes, I'm very much avoiding
1: the emotional response I'm going to have in watching that and talking about it. So, I'm just going to live in this lovely denial bubble that I have, which is
0: I just watched two more episodes of my favorite show. Yay. Exactly. Exactly. We had I mean, it was some of my favorite Avertress moments, like that hug after they fall and you think they're going to kiss, like, mm, it's one of my faves. Yeah. So, you no. Know. We're focusing on the the highs. We're focusing on the highs to end this. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. All of your support means the world to us. If you can um, show your support by rating us and reviewing us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that means a lot to both of us. So, Yeah, reading
1: y'all's reviews makes me so happy because I enjoy engaging with you all. So that'd be nice.
0: <laughs> exactly. So please do that. And otherwise, you can talk to us on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit, on Instagram at This Lesbian Ship, on Patreon at This Lesbian Ship. And we will be back next week. So we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: This Lesbian Ship is Intense is a part of the Following Podcast Network. Find more podcasts.